and welcome to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Van Doren, and in this podcast, I talk with some of the most creative and inspiring people that I know. From hearing about their process to what holds them back from creating, routines and rituals, to the intersection between creativity and spirituality, you'll hear from writers, actors, singers, dancers, musicians, painters, multi-passionate creatives, and anyone else who considers themselves a creative soul. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm super excited to share my conversation with my guest this week, Kim Alexandrescu. So Kim is the owner of Sacred Space Astoria, a yoga studio and healing center created to fully support your spiritual journey. She was born in Michigan and has made New York City her home since 2006. A 200-hour yoga teacher since 2012, Kim is also a Reiki master, urban Zen integrative therapist, end-of-life companion, and mother to three awesome kids. Kim has infinite respect and love for yoga, the chakras, mindfulness, intuitive self-driven healing, and self-care. Her scientific background and clinical research experience gives her a uniquely grounded approach to yoga and energy work. I met Kim just about a year ago. I started teaching at her yoga studio in New York City. I started teaching chakra yoga for a couple months before the pandemic hit. And then once the pandemic hit, you'll hear in this episode how they had to pivot and transition their studio from being an in-studio yoga business to being online where people can drop in all over the world. And since they made the transition online, I've been teaching my creativity circles at the studio. And so that's how I got connected with Kim. And, you know, you'll see in this episode, we talk a lot about her work with end of life care and what it's like to be so intimately connected to death and to the process of life and death. We talk about motherhood a little bit and how that relates to creativity. We talk a lot about deep human connection and how The connection has changed, you know, and being in the business of human connection and whether you own an in-person yoga studio or are intimately involved with people as they're making a transition into death, what that's been like in the pandemic. We also talk about her unique spiritual process of listening to her divine guidance. And yeah, it's funny just thinking about how we ask the universe for what we want. And sometimes we realize that We get it in ways that we never imagined we would get it, but that's generally how it works. And so Kim gives a little insight into her process with all of that and how that has really impacted and affected her life. And so I love sharing, you know, these stories with you about different people and their different process because I think getting an insight into people's process is something that we don't normally hear about. We kind of get to see the end goal or the outcome of what that process looks like, but I'm really curious about the journey that it took to get there and, you know, the doubts that went on before or, you know, everything that goes on through that because that's all where we're at, you know, but usually what the public sees is that outcome. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Kim. I think there's a lot of beautiful gems inside. And if you're interested in taking a class at Sacred Space Astoria, she is holding for now during the pandemic, everything's digital online. So whether you want to take a creativity circle with myself on Mondays or a yoga class or check out the Urban Zen Integrative Therapy that they offer and all the spiritual healing tools that they offer their community. So definitely check that out. We have all the information in the show notes. But without further ado, here's my conversation with Kim. Hi, Kim. Thank you so much for coming on the Creative Soul Podcast. Thank you. So the first question I ask everyone is, what is currently fueling your creative soul? 
I have to say, there's a, there's a number of things right now. One is the creativity circle with you. Yay. <laughs> um, that is like the one piece that's like just for me every week. And that has, it's reminded me how much I use my creativity to process. And so it's, that's just been like essential, especially during the pandemic. And it's like, I returned to reopening the studio and like finding some time for myself when there's really no time for myself with mm-hmm. the way our life is right now. The other thing is the like, I think my spirituality practice does, serves it and fuels it. And I also, you know, at this point, the studio does the, like right now there's a little bit of a need to produce and create. And, but then that also just like gives me more space to then produce and create more. Mm-hmm. So I see that fueling and like the excitement of like, once I do an offering and I teach and I connect, then that's like excitement to have another offering. Mm-hmm. And there's also just like the divine inspiration of it. You know, I'm often just like, I I follow the breadcrumbs. And so it's like, oh, this is, this is the next thing that needs to be built. Is it me who builds it? Is it someone else who builds it that I have to find the person? And then I just kind of, I follow wherever it leads. Mm, That's so beautiful. And something I have really loved about like working with you and hearing like your work and how you operate is really, you listen to that divine inspiration and you really do follow that. And I feel like maybe like, maybe talk about the business and like, or kind of how that divine inspiration comes through your body. Like, how have you learned to listen to that voice? How have you learned to trust that voice? I'm super curious what that's been like for you. I I think I like, it started a long time ago. Like I remember just, I I think one of the clearest times that I remember that I was sitting in high school science class. It was, I took it an early advanced biology class as a sophomore. Like you're supposed to take it as a junior. And I remember sitting there and I was just like, we learned about DNA and I just remember being like, oh, this is what I'm going to study. And then like, that was it. It was just decided. And I never thought about anything else. Um, it was just like, oh, this, this is what I'm going to do, which is really interesting seeing where I am now and how it's like not, it, it's not obviously related, related, but it also is very related. So there were just like times where I would just like know what I needed to do. And oftentimes, because I was still a child too, I would come up against like resistance because it was like your child, you don't know, you're, you know, you're a teen, you're kind of acting instinctively and such, but really it was just like this deeper knowing. And that could be, it could be frustrating at times. Cause like I would know what I needed and not be able to get it or not be able to get to that point. Mm. Um, so over time, like there's another story I tell an intuitive development class that I teach is that like at 15, I remember being in the shower and I came out of the shower and I said to my mom, I was like, who are those voices that like I hear when I'm talking? I was like, as soon as I hear them, they're gone. I was like, and they're like voices, but I can't like, like there's, there's kind of soundless in, in a way, like I can't distinguish who they are, but they're there and then they're gone. As soon as I, like when you come out of a dream and it's gone and my mom just said, I don't know, you'll have to ask them next time. So the, there was also the like developing that. And I like, I used to meditate in bed, but I didn't really know that's what I was doing. But like in the on the weekends, I would like kind of wake up and have like a lazy, a lazy time in bed. And just, I would just like think, meditate, drift. I don't really consider myself a dreamer. So it wasn't really like daydreams because everything that I am thinking about or formulating is like, it's strategic. It's not, it's not just like I'm off somewhere visiting. I remember like doing that as a teen too. How has that like developed throughout your life? And how did that, like talking about how you built sacred space, what was kind of that journey for you? It's a little bit of a long and windy story, but the, I I ended up going to college for genetic engineering. And after that, I ended up making my way to New York. I um, worked in clinical research. So I was working in new therapies 
and that was kind of where things felt felt right. Later on, I start to realize that like I wanted new therapies, but not new drug therapies, which is where where I am more now. So I worked in clinical research. I ended up getting my master's. I then ended up staying home when Luca was born. I finished my master's three weeks before Luca was born. I was writing at the kitchen table. And he ended up having cataracts at five months. And so after infertility and then the cataracts, it was like, there was no, there's no chance I was going back to work. And so I was home during that time. I started studying the chakras. I had done a chakra workshop and learned like how to heal myself through the chakras, Mm -hmm. um, how to process through the chakras is how I prefer to say it. I did a yoga teacher training in um, 2012. At that time, my mother-in-law had just been diagnosed with cancer to the point that I was like, am I going to go forward with this or not? Like, what, what should I do? And ultimately I decided, you know, we decided that I should stay in the training. So I finished that training and that, that kind of changed everything too, is that I started, I then started finding my teacher's voice. She was, she was in a lot of pain towards the end of her life. And I remember hopping in bed with her and, and working with her head. And I, I said, you know, my mom does these quote unquote massages. They're not really massages. She takes like, she takes whatever pain you have, moves it through your body and leaves like a little hot streak and takes out the pain. And I said, I think, why don't we give it a try? Cause nothing else is working. And so I didn't work in the same way that my mom did, but I worked on like these little points in her head that I now say are like, are like the minor chakras within the body or acupressure points. Mm-hmm. And so that was one of the only things that would take her pain away. And so I had had a Reiki session and I had felt drawn to Reiki. So after, after that, I just felt like, you know what, that's, that's the next step. I need to um, do a Reiki training and learn a little bit more about this, have a little more language around it. So I did that. I was pregnant with Karina. I got attuned to Reiki level one and two. And not too long after, I think it was about two years after, three years after the Urban Zen Integrative Therapy training came up. And so that was like... Every, like every bit of me exploded at that point because it was like the Reiki, the clinical piece, yoga therapy. It's also working with essential oils and I hadn't really learned too much about them yet. And then also this contemplative care piece, which I knew nothing about and has like completely changed my life. So I took that training. We had to do clinical hours in a nursing home. I was not excited about it. <laughs> um, I had hoped to be in a hospital setting. I loved being in the hospital setting because I loved working with patients. I like I just like people's stories, which I started to like. Everything was kind of unraveling when I had worked before I had given birth to Luca. I worked in the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia and then I went to go work in biotechs and I, I didn't like it at all. And I, I kept going back to like, it was so good at the hospital. It was so good at the hospital. And I realized I liked the stories. So then I ended up going back to work in a hospital setting so I could be getting to people's stories. Like that's, that's the thing that I love. <laughs> I love that. So I did, I did the time in the nursing home that I had to and fell in love with it. So I, that's how the end of life work started too. In that setting, it was a lot less about the yoga therapy and more about just being present. Contemplative care is just being fully present and open to however someone in front of you presents and finding a way to compassionate action through that presence. Wow. Okay. So let's, so what is urban Zen integrative therapy? Is it this end of work that this end of life work that you're talking about? So it's a component of it. And especially because of where I was, I was working, you know, urban, urban Zen integrative therapy can be done in schools. It's something we teach at the studio. We can do individual sessions. It was created by Donna Karen and Rodney and Colleen Sademan Yee. 
And it was, you know, Donna had noticed that as her husband had um, been going through cancer treatments over a number of years, that he was being treated as a, like as symptoms rather than as a whole. Mm-hmm. And so over time, he really felt more drawn to her spiritual practices and or woo than he had initially. And so the program was born from that. Wow. So it's been, it's, it's, you can do it anywhere, right? Like I would teach it technically in a corporate setting when I was working in the nursing home because I would work with the directors at the start of the day before they started their day at morning meeting. We would have, you know, a 20 minute session to kind of settle their bodies. You know, I'm hopefully getting it into a local school to work with some teachers in the next coming weeks, which I'm pretty excited about. It's just becoming more comfortable in your body using specific modalities and then working with specific symptoms. Wow. This is all like really fascinates me. And I'm super fascinated about using this method, like you said, about working with people at their end of their life and you loving, you know, you figuring out that you loving hearing people tell their stories. And I'm so curious, what has that experience been like for you? I imagine, I mean, I can't even imagine what that's been like. I think that's just such a beautiful piece. Like I've heard of the term like death doula before. And so is it similar to that? And like, what, what has your experience been like working with these people? So the urban Zen integrative therapy is not necessarily like death doula work. It, they're, they're separate. However, in, in the setting where you're in a nursing home where often people are not there to get better, they're there to live out to the end of their life. It's just, it naturally presents itself in terms of end of life care, end of life work. End of, end of life doulas. So I go back and forth because I've never formally, I haven't formally done a training for this, which can sometimes be a place where I get hung up. But the death doulas are a little more focused on like services and specific things that they do where, you know, they may help with end of life planning in terms of like funerals or like resources in that way. They're often focused on a legacy project where, you know, the the person who is dying and the doula come up with a way to kind of memorialize the life and reflect on the life. In, In some ways I do do that if it comes up, but it's not... And I suspect, you know, a death doula is also just going to use your tools when, when you're called upon and when they're needed. I personally am finding that I like working with just the person who is dying a little bit more mm-hmm. than providing this like whole service, if that makes sense. I call what I do end of life companionship. In the nursing home, I was often just working with, with the patient or the resident, not medical resident, but resident who lived in the building. I was typically just working with them without their family because I would be there during the workday. And I just really liked the one-on-one and the conversation that would happen. So, you know, sometimes we would use some of the integrative therapy tools in terms, I almost never used movement. It just wasn't. At the end of life, depending on where you are, you're not going to want to move or you're not going to be able to move. But oftentimes it was just contemplative care where I was a lot of deep listening, providing support and space for the other person to have their own process, whether it was silent or spoken. Reiki is one of the tools too. So providing that and sharing Reiki with a person, either just through presence or actual physical hands-on. Sometimes we would use the essential oils. It just, it really however someone is your breath, noticing your body. It would often we'd have a conversation and then there'd be a little bit of work to do just to kind of settle the body after the conversation Mm -hmm. and provide like space, just holding space. I hold a lot of space. I'm so curious, like how doing this work has impacted or influenced your personal spiritual practice. And like, have you learned any new lessons or like gained any new insights about the way the world works and like life and death. I feel like that's, it's so big and to be so close to it and get to know it so intimately and be able to like be that healer and space holder for people going through that transition that 
it's just beautiful work. And like, so what have you learned or gained from doing this work? I feel like everything is yeah. a question to answer. Um, I've had to learn how to regulate my body. That, I think that's one of the first things is that, you know, it doesn't, I don't get less nervous going into a room because every room is different. You don't know what you're, work, you're walking into. And also that's part of the fun is every room is different. You don't know what you're walking into, but I have to be really present and grounded and in, in the right space in my body to be able to be in that in that space. And, you know, sometimes in the nursing home, it could be like a quick turnaround. It would be, you know, walk, walk out of one room and you're called into another one right away. Mm. And so I'd have to be able to clear myself pretty quickly. I learned the importance of self-care those days. You know, there were some days where I would come home and I would need more support than on others. I had, I ended up having a driving commute that at first I wasn't thrilled about, but then I really was like, I found it was my time where I kind of wound down and then could reflect on what had happened in that day. So then I could come home and be present to my family. Mm. Sometimes like I have to find like some, there, there were a few tough days where like, I just needed like a life affirming activity. <laughs> like I just like, I kind of had to separate a little more. And that, that commute time too, was also like a time to grieve and have my own grief because even though, you know, it could be that someone had passed, but it was also just like knowing, knowing that that was the process that we were in sometimes would bring up some grief and that's something that I have to be able to move with. So that way I can be, I can still be present and not let that be hindering me from being present. Yeah. I'm curious to hear like more about the tools that you use to, and I know you talked about like you, you process things through your chakras. So Mm -hmm. what does that like practice look like for you? And how does that help you then move through if you're dealing with grief or whatever it is? The, there's one particular lesson that was really coming up with my favorite my favorite patient or my favorite resident. Uh, it's hard to like give him a name. Sometimes I call my friend. The, like the simple way I describe him is like I named the baby after him. You know, when I started working with him and then over time, like I started to really realize like, I love this, this old man. There's this old man that I have like no connection with and I love him. What do I do now? <laughs> wow. <laughs> because it was, you know, it was just, I didn't have a frame of reference for that type of love. And then it quickly helps me understand too, that that's what I do when I go in and I work with them. I just love them. I show up and I love them in whatever ways they need. You know, essentially the way I've come to know it is like, it's a form of unconditional love. It wasn't something I was super comfortable with or aware of. And I think it's something that you definitely need, or a lot of people tend to need at the end of life. Mm. And so I like, you know, through, I would take a workshop and it was like, you know, there was, I did like a breath work on love and thinking like, oh, okay, like t- teach me a little bit about, you know, about this friend of mine, you know, how, how, like, give me a little more information about that. It's, I always kind of like, will ask the universe for more information or a better way of understanding. And so I'll ask kind of like, you know, te- what do I, what do I need to know about this? Or what's, what's going on with this? And so I did this breath work. And when I did the breath work, the place I was taken to was understanding and feeling and sensing what it's like to be in a body as it's dying, like through the way the breath was changing and all these things. It, it, it was wild. It was also helpful, super helpful to understand like what I found comforting in my body during that time. But so there's always just like, I just, like I said, I follow the breadcrumbs. So it was just like, okay, this is what I feel drawn to do. It's about love. What, what am I dealing with, with love? I'm dealing with, you know, trying to understand how I love this old man. <laughs> and feeling comfortable saying that to people like I just love him like you know I I just go in there and I love them like that's just what I do and there's this also then they come up with like things with this word of intimacy right because that's 
it's super intimate. But again, that's not something super comfortable to say either until, until it was. So I would just, I follow where I get led to. Sometimes it's a book, sometimes it's a class, sometimes it's just through a meditation. And over time with the chakras, what I have learned is that I will see the different pieces of like almost the different pieces of the puzzle of whatever it is that I'm working with. And so I'll start to notice these, like there's these kind of similar stories and I won't until I can, until all the stories show up and all the memories show up and all the feelings show up, I, at some point then it becomes, it almost like dawns on me that, oh, this is the tie that binds them. Mm-hmm. And then it gets traced to a memory. And so it depends on which chakra I'm working it in. And sometimes that can be sensed through like, phys- like where it's physically showing up in my body. This one, like it was love. So I knew where we were working, but sometimes there's like a physical sensation. There's always a physical sensation, but that may not be my entry point in figuring out which chakra it is. So I'll, I follow to that. And then once I get there, then I have a better understanding of all the experiences that I've had that have led to this point, And then also led to where, whatever this idea is, is working and not working. Mm. And so from there, and there's a, like a particular feeling that I get in my body, it feels kind of like bristles in my chest. And so I'll know when I'm processing something or I'll feel a little like frustrated or agitated. So that's like another indicator like, oh, something's going on. I got to start paying attention in this particular way. And so then from there, it's usually meditation. I, I tend to like contemplate more than meditate. I, I like, it's like a process. I journal from time to time. I'm journaling more now, thanks to the creativity circle, but I, I don't always have the time to sit down and write it down. And so I just contemplate when I'm going about my day, like if I'm driving, if I'm cooking, I'm walking. So I contemplate and then understand what the root like I get a vision of what the root is of the situation that's presenting for healing often a memory from childhood it corresponds to the developmental age of whichever chakra I'm working in and then I will watch the memory see where I didn't get what I need and then watch the memory again and step in to give myself what I do need when I find what I, when I find the root, there's always tears. That's also another way that I know that like because sometimes it's like you can see the pieces and you're getting closer to the age and it's like if I still feel agitated and I tend to get more agitated as I'm getting closer, but then once I hit it, it's like, Oh, that's what it is. And the tears come. Wow. It's so cool to like hear how you figured out your own process with processing emotions and feelings and paying attention and like whatever life presents you, you, it sounds like you've really developed this like system for yourself and working with your energetic centers and all that. But it's just so cool to like get this insight into someone else's process. Cause it's, it's unusual. I, I feel like it's unusual for me to hear how someone has figured out their process and like what their process feels and looks like. And so that's just like so fascinating. And I know we've talked, I love the piece about unconditional love and learning how to love. And that's such a beautiful spiritual truth. And like, again, you following the breadcrumbs is maybe what some, something you need to learn in this lifetime for whatever reason. And he was a beautiful teacher to you. And so that's so beautiful to hear how you've developed relationships or with certain people. And I'm curious, like on the flip side, you know, doing your work with death and you being a mother of three and like, what is that relationship? And then like birthing and giving birth. And I'm so fascinated in the parallel between motherhood and creativity. And like the fact that as women, we have, you know, in our womb space, we have this ability to create life. And I think you can choose to create life, like with your creativity and birthing projects, birthing the studio, the business, like that is something that you've birthed into the world. But then also like in our most innate human, you know, 
what, what, what we're here to do is to make life and give birth to humans. So I'm curious to hear like your perspective on that and what, what has that taught you? For one second, I'm going to circle back to the process. There were, I took some chakra workshops and that was where I learned part of the process, but then I also had to kind of fine tune it to exactly how I do it. Like I remember during the workshops being like, and can you just can I just have like a, a worksheet of like how, how the question right. step like, one, two, three. <laughs> and that wasn't how that teacher worked. And so I, like, I remember just being like, but if I just had the steps. Oh, that's <laughs> but, how I am too. And, and then I realized that it was just because I worked differently than that I was being taught. And so that was, you know, that was how it was. And recognizing that there's different entry points, like whether the healing, in my opinion, has to happen on the, on all levels. It has to hit, hit the physical body, the emotional body, the mental and the energetic body. And so you have to be able to m- make all those things come together. Otherwise you're not going to be able to fully release whatever, whatever the belief and the pattern is mm. with regard to the creativity and end of life. It, I don't even know where to start <laughs> <laughs> this relationship with this, this friend, it, it, he's a writer. And so there, it ended up kind of like over time, I was really seeing that I was helping with a legacy project, which again was like something I didn't really set out to do. I think I, you know, over time I realized like I am intricately involved in the legacy project because I think to some extent there's a book that comes from this that I will be the one writing about Mm -hmm. our time together. So, and you know, he would function sometimes as a, as a writing coach. He's not in a capacity to do so now, but sometimes he'd be like, Hey, have you written recently? (laughs) What have you been writing? And I was like, not, not recently. I'm kind of building a studio right now. And he didn't quite have a grasp of like what I was doing, but every once in a while he would ask me and I'd be like, okay, I, I know you're asking for a reason and I got to get to work. So I just, when you come out of those sessions or when I come out of those sessions, it's like, I'm so grateful for the connection. And I only recently linked that that feeling is gratitude. I come out and I'm just like deeply connected and so in awe and inspired. And that was kind of what I would need the time for on my commutes was to kind of just like come down from this, like, it could be super intense and it wasn't always pleasant, but it was always this incredible moment. And so like, I would need the space to come down from that. So, and, you know, and the kids, to some extent, the kids understand what I do. So, you know, someone, you know, someone would pass at work and we would, you know, have a conversation because they'd know I was, I was sad and I was feeling it because I, you're in an interesting position grieving, right? I'm not part of the family. I've had oftentimes some deeply intimate moments with someone, but it's like, I'm not really a medical professional. Where, where do you fall in line? And that's really, with my friend has come up a ton too, is like, what is my role? How, how do I relate to, to him? Like, wh- how do I talk about this? Like, I don't necessarily want to have a name for it, for how I see him. Like friend doesn't really work. Like he doesn't know my husband's name. Right. But like, my baby carries his name. So it's this whole complicated um, thing. And also just having to understand too, that it's going to unfold when it unfolds, which can sometimes be frustrating. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> For the creativity and the motherhood. I mean, I'm always remembering that the creativity is it, like, it's the same center, right? Like it's physically creating. I'm energetically creating, like there's so much creation and how, how that relates. And it's also interesting because the first two were IVF babies and my son, the, the baby was, I call him a manifested surprise. Mm-hmm. So like there was like that level of creating, creating and difficulties around creating too. And like complications, I guess you could say. Yeah. I, yeah, just, I had the, the light bulb moment of like, 
the connection, and I'm sure you've realized this uh, naming your baby after this friend, but kind of like the connection between this baby coming through as like this person, or I don't know, I don't know what it is, but like, that just feels like a magical serendipitous, like teaching moment. I, I mean, I, I will, I will, I'm consciously aware of like, I'm, my friend is, is dying and my baby is growing. Yeah. Like I'm watching these parallel things happen and it's, you know, needed with this, with the baby and having the studio and such, I'm having a very different mothering experience compared to the other two when I was home. And as my friend is declining, I'm having a very different experience than I anticipated because of the pandemic. I thought I would be physically there more than I'm able to, you know, we're doing a lot of our FaceTime and that that's brought up a lot too, is, you know, I really like, there's a huge value for me in the in-person connection being in the room. And I, it took a little bit and I've worked it out because we were doing FaceTime before, but as he's getting closer to the end of his life and like, will this be my last time with you? And it's just over FaceTime and, you know, how much, how much can we interact? And it's, it's been a really complicated way to be present and figuring out how to be present. There was, there was one, one time recently and I left really agitated after it. I just chattered the whole time, <laughs> which is very different than how I am in the room. Like it was, and I was just like, in my mind, I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> But I couldn't stop myself and I couldn't, I just couldn't regulate the energy. I couldn't, I couldn't figure out how to do it. And so it was really, he was agitated. I was agitated. It, it was this like whole learning experience. And then over time I realized I just have to be the way I would be in the room. I have to, you know, when I'm in the room, I sit quietly with myself and my presence is enough. And so I needed that reminder. And so now like when I call, you know, I'm, I, one of the things I'll say is, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to like talk we're I'm just here to keep you company I'm just here to keep you company and it's gone a lot better since I figured that out because I was <laughs> so wow. wow what a different transition to then do this work digitally instead of when it's like it it probably is all about the in-person connection and like feeling each other's energy so what I didn't even think about that kind of work being affected by the pandemic and like how that changes things and you know you see those pictures of people at the end of their life maybe dying from COVID and I think I saw a picture of like just stands with iPads on them. So the family could say goodbye. And that, that just must be so hard. I'm on the, I'm on the other side of that, that iPad. It's some, you know, sometimes, some days I'm a little more compassionate with myself about it and compassionate to the situation. And some days I'm just like raging about it. Like I want to be there. I really want to be there. There's this picture that someone like a friend of mine in the nursing home took and it's, He's, he's sitting and looking at the iPad and we can't tell if it's me or his wife because we wear the glasses, but, and he's like intently looking at us and like, that's, that's what it is, you know? And when, when, when we would have these conversations, I like, I would be like rapidly snapping pictures sometimes when I would get, cause like, sometimes I'm like looking at like a quadrant of, of the forehead or so like I would get, I would get his whole face. And I was like, I just, it will help me feel connected to you when it's so hard. Mm-hmm. And I've done Reiki level two. I'm, I'm, I teach I, I teach Reiki, I'm a Reiki master, but I'm having a little bit of a crisis of like this idea of distance and I, I need the in-person connection. I miss that desperately. My whole business is built on that. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I know the value in it and I definitely believe it, but it's not like, it's just not hitting all the right pieces for me right now. Totally. And like, again, that is like, 
navigating that in the pandemic and especially with your work with the with the business and sacred space it's like yeah you're in the business of human connection and how do you navigate not being able to do that and I wonder have you found ways that I mean I think you touched on this a little bit but like found ways to connect digitally and and is there some semblance of the same sort of feeling whether in the studio or in your contemplative care work you know yes yes I have figured out how to do it it when we do like a Reiki training or when there's a workshop that I'm hosting it's absolutely there and it's it's not as hard to obtain I think that was also what threw me off when I was having the hard time with him is that it was just a different it was a very different experience and I couldn't make heads or tails of it for a little bit and I just had to be present to what was happening and and what was going in my mind wrong when when it's with the studio all of those like everything bubbles up and like, this is the time to offer this. This is the time to offer this. So I will sometimes kind of rely into that too. It's no secret that, you know, things in yoga, in yoga studios or healing spaces, you know, they're struggling. It's not a, it's not a great time to own this type of business. I really had to kind of center on, I'm here for whoever shows up, whether it's one person, whether it's five people, you know, a magical 10 would be lovely, but you know, I don't, it does, I don't treat it any differently, regardless of who shows up on Thanksgiving, it ended up my neighbor across the street and I was doing a gratitude workshop on being with gratitude. It ended up being my neighbor across the street from our house and my grandma in Michigan, I invited her at the last minute because she was going to be home by herself. And I said, let's, maybe I'll have my grandma do it. And then I had this whole panic that like, I'm going to have my 80 something year old grandma technologically like how how is this gonna work well I ended up putting her on a tripod with my phone my neighbor was over zoom and I was there it was like the three of us and it was incredible it was incredible so also just like trusting that like the way it's showing up is exactly how it needs to be and that presence is enough even over even over this type of a connection yeah that's such an important lesson and that that really resonates with me of like you treat it the same whether it's one person 10 people or 100 people like showing up and giving your all and trusting that whoever needs to hear the message and needs to be there will be there. And that's really important. Let's talk about the studio. And like, cause I know you just turned one years old and how amazing to turn one year old in, you know, when a pandemic hit a couple months later. And so what was the process and journey for you of opening the business and what has it been like this past year? Give us all of that. So I found out that I was pregnant with Marco the day after the construction permits came through for the studio. Wow. The studio, I thought the studio was about five years out. (laughs) We're now about two years into that five years. (laughs) I, there was a studio locally that was up for sale and I considered, we considered buying it. It was over Christmas, 2019, I think 2018, 2018. And I considered buying it, realized it wasn't the right move. And after having those conversations and like working some things out, it was just like, oh, I guess we can do this. And I guess we could do this now. So I started looking for space and that was all very like divinely guided. You know, one thing that I always follow is that if shit gets weird, (laughs) then you need to stop and listen and see what you're being told. I got ghosted by a older landlord I like literally got ghosted for about three weeks and I was like okay this is weird so there's something is going on and I just need to sit tight and not grasp onto anything and see how things unfold 
And then I was able to recognize like that wasn't the right space. It was actually about half the size of what we have now. And I would have outgrown it very quickly, even, even pandemic wise. There was another space and it was just like the energetics of the space weren't right. It's like, you know, a few blocks from where the studio is actually now. And when I came into the space that we have now, I walked in, it was a completely empty concrete box and it had been vacant since 1996, which is like unbelievable. Oh my gosh. And I walked in and I was like, oh, this is it. And that like... There's always that like level of knowing, like when we bought our house, it was just like, oh, this is the one. Uh, And there's usually like some level of agitation. There's a little bit of a freak out. And then once the freak out happens, like, okay, we're close. (laughs) Before we bought our house, we were looking at a house that I think it was like 12 or 13 feet wide. And I had a meltdown. I was like, you don't really want to renovate a place. And he's like, no, I don't want that place. (laughs) It was like this weird setup where it was like a an L-shaped wall that you would like slide under to get into the bathtub. (laughs) And I'm melting down. (laughs) I'm like, you don't really want to renovate. And he's like, no, 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 that's not the case. But the funny thing was that it was, so we were very close. The, every time I would try to type in that address to look up the house to set up the visit, I was typing in the address for the house that we have now. I just didn't know it. And it's it's on the same street that we're on. It's just on the other, it's like a few blocks down on the other side of the highway. And so it was, once I saw, once I drove by our house, it was like, oh my God, that's, that's the house we need to see because the address is right. And there was also some other signs that I had, I'd been manifesting through the Sacred Heart. And I like, right after I saw the house that I then saw like Sacred Heart University on somebody's car. And I was like, oh, damn, we found it. (laughs) I love, I, I love again, this example of like paying attention to your signs and listening to the intuitive guidance and following that and trusting it. And so it's so beautiful to see how it's like, guided you throughout your life. So, but yes, continue. Uh, So, I mean, that was like, we walked in in here and I was like, okay, this is it. And so things just started moving. I like, I did the layout of everything. This is like my third official renovation. I kind of love it. I love kind of building, like building new within something old too. So I also have a knack for like finding used pieces that are just like the right price for exactly what I need. I like kind of send it to the universe. Like I always plan out a budget and it's like, this is, this is what I've got. <laughs> These are the things I need and, you know, lead me to them. This ends up with my husband going all around the city, often to Brooklyn and Manhattan <laughs> to find just the right piece that I found on like Craigslist or let go and all these things. But he actually likes to drive. So we're, we're good with that now. <laughs> But so it just, it pieced itself together, found, found the right contractor. It took a while and it was really frustrating. I get frustrated when things take a while because I can see the endpoints mm-hmm. and I often can sense a timeline. So when we're not meeting that, it gets very frustrated. I get very frustrated very quickly, especially when I can see it. And I also use that as a tool too. When I'm getting anxious, I visualize and step into whatever it is that I'm creating. And so that's like a, a sense of grounding, like, okay, we're not there yet, but this image still holds. And then if things start to shift within whatever the image or the vision is, then I know that things are shifting and I'm going to have to pay a little more attention versus this is where it is. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. It's like surrendering to the higher timeline, you know, and letting go of like your ego's timeline. Yeah. Not, not my strong suit, but I've gotten better. So we, I found out that I was pregnant with Marco and it was this whole like, you know, this was going to be my third baby. I had just decided like, okay, the surprise baby isn't coming. I had always thought that there was going to be a surprise baby. So when I did find out that I was pregnant with him, it was like everything I had seen for years was happening. It was a really wild moment. 
I bet. Oh my God. I've been waiting for a surprise baby since I was about 16. Like you had the vision and then I, I had seen the vision. I had seen like sharing, telling my husband, I would, when I would practice in intuitive development circles, like out in Long Island, I would get, you know, readings, we would be practicing on each other. It was like, I had like nine psychics say like, you know, there's a third baby. And I was like, right. But I will do nothing to bring this baby in. I'm not doing infertility treatments again or fertility treatments mm-hmm. again. The baby has to come to me. <laughs> and, she, and he did. <laughs> I did. Three weeks before the baby, before I find out that I'm pregnant, my, we're driving and my kids out of the blue were in the car and they're like, hey, we should have a third baby. And I'm like, well, you know, like, because I, you know, we had already signed the lease in the studio and I was like, you know, I, I did want a third baby. I don't, you know, Tata and I don't have like the same you know, the same feelings and, and what's the best decision here. And, you know, now we have the studio and three weeks later I was pregnant. They were clearly warning me. <laughs> wow. That again, those like that kid's intuition and like children knowing more than we do. Always, incredible. always. I don't discredit them at all. <laughs> wow. And how cool then, like, again, going back to this idea that we we're talking about of like birthing projects through how interesting then then you were birthing the studio at the same time you were birthing your third surprise baby. I like that was the joke because I was like, I'm just birthing all the things that like <laughs> I probably I feel like I must have said that to you at some point too. <laughs> like either just I'm just birthing all the things this year. Wow. Um, what did that all feel like? Was it overwhelming or did it kind of feel like this beautiful like parallel path? both (laughs) yeah I bet there was like a you know there was a period where like the universe and I have fights sometimes too like I I don't I'm sometimes I'm just like now like we (laughs) there were plenty of opportunities for this to have happened before but like now is the best time like I hold the baby sometimes and I'm like Marco you chose to be born in a pandemic like you chose to come (laughs) like you knew like why now because I know you've been hanging out for a while (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> totally. Yeah. It's like everything happens all at once. <laughs> and, you know, there's oftentimes my therapist will say like, you, you do well in these types of situations. Like, you know, not everyone like functions as well when they're in this level of like stress and such. And it's not like in a sense that like I bring it on and such, it's just like, I, 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 I can go in this space. So, and yeah, I mean, it, it I had never gone back to work with having and having kids, like having babies. And so that was its own like process. So the studio was open. We opened January 19th and we were open for almost eight weeks and we, we closed. I closed, I think a few days before the state closed. Cause I just didn't, I didn't feel comfortable staying open. And we saw a drastic decline. It like, I, we started losing money like rapidly when we had been growing really well. I think everyone kind of in the city got told to stay home from work and then started staying, staying in. And so I closed and then everything was closed. And for a while I shelved the studio and we stayed closed for six months. I would, if I talked about the studio, it was very little. I like, I once said to my grandma, I was like, the studio's over here. And I like motioned to my left. And I was like, actually it's over here. I like, it's like, I put it on a shelf over on the right side and it just stayed there. Um, and there was just no way I could pivot. I could not after having done all of that and just built it and just opened and things were going, I couldn't pivot pivot to virtual. And I was between six and seven months pregnant. Like I was, we also like, didn't think it was going to last this long. So it was just like, Oh, okay. Like a couple of weeks, like, well, we'll be fine. And then we'll, we'll make the changes. And 
as it went on, like I just got more pregnant, you know, and I, I have two other kids. So it was like, we tried remote learning and we're just like, nope, that was not going to be the best decision for us. So we did as little as we possibly could. And I, I've always had this like mentality of keeping them like just keeping them active and keeping them creating and learning without like formally learning. I don't want to say homeschool, but in that kind of vein, like more of a Montessori kind of approach, yeah. just activities that you're learning on multiple levels. Mm -hmm. So we did some of that. And my biggest concern was like, just keep them emotionally as stable as possible and let us all work through this as, you know, things progressed at some point too, the, you know, the nursing homes were getting really hit really hard. And so I was supporting friends. I wasn't working anymore. I wasn't going into the building, but I was supporting friends and then starting to support my friend virtually. And so that was taking a big toll too, because there were a lot of deaths for a period there. So we stayed closed. I had all, I had, I had said, I wanted a really long maternity leave. Like I had all these things written out. And when I go back and look at them, I'm like, Oh, I got them. (laughs) (laughs) Not the way you expect. (laughs) Yes. I I got them. I I mean, I, I manifest well. (laughs) Yeah. I I feel the same. (laughs) Like, Oh, interesting. This is exactly what I wanted. Nothing what I thought it would look like. (laughs) Right. So I had the baby. I stayed home. My husband ended up taking a paternity leave to be, for us to be able to reopen and pivot. Thank God for him because of all the technical aspects. Like that's all his expertise. And so we reopened at the end of September. And, you know, looking back, I thought we were reopening in this fashion for the short term. And it's, we're still here. We've never, New York City has never allowed yoga um, classes to resume in person. Wow. This is, amazing that you've I mean what a year it's been and like again simultaneously you know being pregnant and birthing your baby and having your maternity to leave and all of that and so I'm curious now if you have an idea or a vision of like what's next for you or what's next for the studio or like are you kind of just taking it day by day or like do you have some kind of intuitive knowing of where to go next or you're really just following those breadcrumbs you know, there's always been a plan for a studio. I don't, I don't, everything I do is strategic. I just had my human design chart done and it like clarified that everything I do is strategic. Wait, what, um, type are you? Hmm? what type are you? I am a manifesting uh, generator. Amazing. I'm a generator. Yeah. If it, it like when she, when she was explaining things, it like, wasn't anything I didn't know, but it also just like clarified some things. Totally. So like everything is strategic, but I also have to like work within this idea of letting go and surrendering and trusting too. So mm-hmm. that like, that was part of my gene key. So it's like, yes, yes. And cause it's this constant battle of like, I know where this is supposed to be. And that was, that was a big part of the, the studio. Like when I couldn't really tap into it without, you know, I came in in those six months, I think I came in the studio two or three times and that was it. And I would just sob hysterically and leave. I just like, I remember one time I said to my husband, I was like, okay, I'm ready to go over there. Like just, busy yourself for a little bit until I like while I have my breakdown and I'll call you <laughs> when I need you to hold on to me for a little bit to ground me and then we'll like we'll, we'll go through it so it, like I couldn't I know what this is supposed to be and I know I was intuitively you know guided to create it exactly as it is so it was just like that was a point of you know I think anger with the universe of just like you couldn't have given me a heads up that this is coming yeah. <laughs> I wanted to do this in five years but you moved up the timeline and like now here we are Wow. Um, Just, there was a lot of like feelings around that, that, you know, eventually like they, they have, they have subsided. It's, it's definitely not been easy. (laughs) This is, this is not a great time to own the type of business I own. 
that being said is I've been pushed in so many different ways to do things that I would have been a lot more hesitant to do, but it, they've all been part of what was eventually going to happen anyway. So like, I always knew that I would record some meditations and then it was like, I've had a microphone to record meditations for, I don't know, three years and I've never touched it. And then suddenly it was just like, okay, I'm going to do a, a few of these, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so there's all these different pieces that are now coming together just be, like they had to, like, I would have never taught in front of a camera postpartum. I would have been very uncomfortable in my body. Like that would have been its own whole thing. And now it's just like, this is what we do now. <laughs> yeah. It's so interesting again, to like hear how the universe pushed you to do this. And then in, in a way that we didn't expect, but now it's like teaching you those lessons that maybe would have taken you years to learn. And I feel like that's happening for a lot of people where it's like, decisions or like moving to a new place or letting go of a job or things that maybe weren't in alignment that would have taken much longer to realize it's kind of like we're all being forced to like slam hear all of your lessons work through it quickly and like let's see and let's see where we where we're at in a year from now like getting to the other side of all this and how much we've all grown it's just kind of fascinating to hear everyone's story about like how differently the pandemic has affected them and so I definitely believe that like these are the lessons that you needed to learn or that you chose to learn or whatever that is. And I, one of our last questions is I love sharing creative resources and you, you always have the best ones, not only even in the studio, like physically you had some great books and stuff, but I just got the book gather by Octavia mm -hmm. uh, Rahim, which has been so fun to work through. And so I'm curious what other books or, you know, classes or anything that's inspiring you lately. So both my daughter and I are obsessed with Josie Lewis art on Instagram. Ooh, okay. um, because of, because of like my work with the chakras, I love rainbow colors and such. I love like rainbow themes and she does a lot of like rainbow stuff. I also feel colors in my body. And so um, I'm like particular about what type of art I like. Cause sometimes it doesn't feel good in my body when I, when I see it. So sometimes her color, like sometimes her colors are a little off for me, but most of the times they're like spot on. I have like a bunch of her stuff in the office in my wall on my, or on the wall in my office here. I'm constantly reading. So it's, I just like get in, like I get drawn to whatever book I need next and wherever I'm, I'm supposed to go. So that's, you know, that's been, I think something I really, I, I constantly work on is like put down my phone, pick up the book. Cause the only reason I have the phone in my hand is that I just want to read. And so book wise, I just read Deep Human Connection by Stephen Cope. I've also highly recommend his great work of your life for anyone that's trying to figure out like their path and where they're going. The Deep Human Connection was, I mean, one, that's, that's where I live, right? Like <laughs> that's where I hang out in life. That's what I, I teach is how, how to get more comfortable so you can connect. It was really neat because it was like looking at attachment. Like he talks about like attachments at the young age and really being able to explore what that attachment was like for you. And then looking at all the ways that you've gone through your life and kind of corrected what you may have not gotten exactly as you needed, which is, is my healing process. So looking at that was really, really good. And he tell like, he's, he's a good storyteller. It's like, that's, I think that's where I'm really really inspired right now. And then also like, and it also like seeing how it inspires my work, right? Like I went from feeling like I didn't have the best attachments that I didn't have the best connections growing up to now in this space where I've created a home, like my parents weren't married. And so I would go back and forth between their houses and always kind of felt like I didn't have like my family, my home. And I've created a spiritual home. Like this is mm -hmm. here because I know what it feels like to not have that. 
in that sense and also in a spiritual sense too. Wow. So yeah, I think I'm trying to think if there's any other books, but those are, that's mainly, I also like, I'll listen to podcasts. I just go with whatever I'm guided to, to be with. Like some days I'll have music on and I like, sometimes I'll just play shuffle on my phone and whatever comes up. Like, I know that that's to give me some inspiration and guidance. Mm. Again, it's just so beautiful to like hear this, this parallel between human connection and like following your intuitive guidance and like following your hits and you can see that in all of the work that you do. So that's really inspiring. And lastly, where can people find you? Where can people find the studio if they're interested in signing up for classes, yoga classes, creativity circles, anything like that? So the studio's website is www.sacredspaceastoria.com. Um, we're on Instagram at sacredspace underscore Astoria. And it's, we, you know, we're a yoga studio. I, I was saying that we're a yoga studio and healing space. And I'm really trying to figure out what, that's not right. Like the yoga isn't really like that's, I feel like yoga is the gateway drug is the, <laughs> the way to say. It. And that's how I thought things were going to go. But in this climate, it's more of the healing work that's showing up. And I think when we come out of the pandemic, that the healing work is really going to be front and center. Mm-hmm. So we're a spiritual center, we're a spiritual space. I haven't quite landed on it. And we do, we do more than just yoga. It's really connecting you back to your body so you can be more present. So you can find your life's work, you can find your intuition and be able to be guided by it. And then also to have better human connection. I Instagram am mindful mama NYC. That's my, <laughs> that's my handle. Love it. Well, thank you so much. We'll put all those in the show notes and people can find that. And thank I'm just so grateful for you and the space that you've created. I've gotten so much out of being a sacred space and like the studio and now in this virtual space. And it's, it's given me a lot too. And again, like all those things that you've been saying, the human connection part, the spiritual healing space that it is. So you've really cultivated that and it's really beautiful to be a part of. Thank you. It's the, if you want to meet me and come take creativity circle with Leia on Monday nights, cause that's where I show up regularly. <laughs> yeah. It's so much fun. It's so much fun having me too. Thank you, Kim. Yeah. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode and thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please feel free to share it with a friend and tell them what inspired you. Or if you'd be so kind, you can rate and review the podcast. And when you do, I would love to gift you my free guided writing meditation that will connect you to your creativity, yourself, and your spirituality. Just go on over to my Instagram at Leah Van Doren. That's L-E-Y-A-V-A-N-D-O-R-E-N and send me a screenshot of your review and I will send over the meditation and I would love to hear your thoughts. Stay inspired, stay creative, and keep shining your creative soul.